Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the fourth Sunday of Advent, or the Nativity of Our Lord, for the week of December 24th, 2023. I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast, and I'm excited that we are in this very busy Sunday. I want to quickly just explain what some of the pastors or leadership might be going through. We have still the typical Advent Sunday, and then we have Christmas Eve, Christmas Day services, and so you could potentially be getting doubled or tripled up compared to what you typically have. So give these people a little bit of credit. It's a really difficult week, and this also means for me, there is a crap ton of text to be able to go through this week, to be able to cover everything, and on top of it, we're going to talk about something That's huge breaking scientific news. That's the science tie-in this week, but it also has a little bit of own controversy within it. And I think it kind of balances things out well. And I think it gives us something to be thinking about and anticipation, which plays into well to the Christmas story as well. So let's just jump into the question from last week, which was, how are you prepared as an individual and as a community for Advent and Christmas? And I think this is a great question to be contemplating and thinking about just in general. It's so easy for us to get wrapped up in the go, go, go of our lifestyle that I think there's moments like this and why I do appreciate Advent so much, why I do appreciate celebrating all 12 days of Christmas is to take a breath, to pause, to say it's okay for us to reflect and really get truly reflective on what this all means, what this season and what this whole part of Christ coming down to be part of us and be with us truly means. And how does that change our life moving forward as an individual and as a community? And I think those are the questions that are so hard, but so vital for Advent. So let's jump into the Advent text here to begin with. And I'm going to be trying to summarize these super quickly because we have a lot of texts this week. So the Old Testament text for Advent, the fourth Sunday of it, is from 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 to 11 and 16. This is where God has been talking with the prophet Nathan, who has been working with King David. And the people are starting to have this idea that they're wanting to build this great majestic thing for God. And God is reminding them initially with the idea of, I have been in tents, I have been in tabernacles, I have been moving all around, and when have I asked for that? When have I asked for a solid place to lay my head? No, what I've been telling you is that now is a time that I'm going to start having you guys as a group settle into where I have promised you to be and recognize that this is the beginning of us stating our claim of where we're going to be for generations to come. We have alternative Psalms this week and it kind of picks up where we had one of these last week, which was Luke chapter 1 verses 46b to 55. This is the Magnificat. This is where when Mary hears the news of what has happened to her, She then goes into this praise psalm of recognizing how God has lifted the lowly and humbled the mighty, has been continued to be with people through the good and the bad, through the times that are difficult and the times that things are going well, and recognizing that this God of abundance, but also this God of judgment balances each other out to having this fair judge of who God is. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 89, verses 1 to 4 and 19 to 26. 
This then is recognizing the love of who God has for us. Typically, the fourth Sunday of Advent gets looked at as a love Sunday. But it's this recognition of the covenant that God has made with his people, that God is not going to abandon them, that God has continued to be with them, has anointed King David in this case, and to continue to lead them to be faithful and to be fruitful in doing this. And that recognition of crying out to God to being the salvation that is going to support us. The New Testament text or epistle text for that is Romans chapter 16 verses 25 to 27. And this is then the reminder that it's through Christ Jesus that has given us this revelation of the mystery of who God is. That God continues to give his proclamation to his people and is continuing to help us be able to share this good news with others and being able to recognize that through Jesus Christ, we have the wisdom to be able to recognize how God has continued to be there for us. The gospel text this week, we jump into Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. And this is why the Magnificat makes a lot of sense for the psalm this week. But this is where the angel Gabriel comes and talks to the Virgin Mary and recognizes that she is highly favored. And even though that she is a virgin, that the Holy Spirit has come in to have her bear a son. And on top of that, she is also being told about her relative Elizabeth, who is going to conceive a son who is already in the sixth month. And this recognition that we get here in verses 37 and 38, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary then responds with, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. This idea of how God then is coming in and becoming part of us and being a part of us that is so vital. Okay, so let's just jump into some of these nativity texts. There is a lot of them to go through. So again, I'm going to try whizzing through these because there are three different potential nativity of our Lord for the 24th and 25th that we can go through. So first, we have Isaiah chapter 9 verses 2 through 7. This is the text of the people who have been walking in a darkness have seen a great light. This recognition of how God has not abandoned his people, that God has been able to help shoulder and seeing where they've been oppressed, seeing where they have rejoiced, but the times that they have also been struck down and trampled on, and that there's going to be something that rises up to be able to bring forth the God of the people that is being promised. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 96, all 13 verses of it, recognizing that we are singing a song to the Lord. We are recognizing this day of salvation that is coming. We're recognizing the earth and everything that is in it is all part of this. And recognizing that we are putting aside the idols of this earth to recognize the glory and strength of who God is. That God is the king. That the world has been established in God's image and how God has established it. That God is the judge. God is the one in control. And thus, when we recognize that and fully give into that, that then we are able to rejoice. The epistle text or second reading this week is from Titus chapter 2 verses 11 to 14. 
And it's recognizing, now reflecting back to Jesus, that it's by the grace of God that we have this salvation. It's by the grace of God that we have been able to see the differences between our worldly passions and then what God is steering us into and giving us a hope in the manifestation of glory that came through Jesus Christ. This recognition that we have been redeemed and purified through what Christ did for us. The gospel text then that goes with that, we have twice potentially for this, is Luke chapter 2 verses 1 through 14 and optionally 15 through 20. This is the traditional Christmas story where they're going to be registered. Joseph is going into Nazareth. There is no room for them in the inn, even though Mary is expecting. They then go into the manger. She has her firstborn child and wraps him in swaddling cloths and lays them in a manger. And then that there are shepherds who are watching their flocks by night and angels come and appear to them and say, do not be afraid for I'm bringing good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this is the sign you're looking for a child wrapped in bands of cloth laying in a manger. And then there's this multitude of angels singing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he favors. They disappear, they go and find the child, and they are spending time with this child and recognizing and telling everything that has been foretold. And Mary is treasuring all this in her heart, and the shepherds return glorifying and praising God for everything that they have seen. Second nativity, Isaiah Chapter 62, verses 6 through 12 will be your first reading. And it's this recognition of there is this day when Jerusalem will be renewed. That all the stuff that has been cast down on Jerusalem and all these times that it seems that the people have been forgotten. All these times where when is this going to come that the Lord has not forgotten his people. The Lord will redeem his people. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 97, all 12 verses of it. And it's this rejoicing, right? As we're going to get a lot this week, recognizing how God has been there from the foundations of the earth, that God has been able to take down all these different adversaries through different means, that God is in control, that through all these different things, God is able to cast things aside and for us to be able to get closer to God, that this is this all-powerful God and we rejoice and give thanks to this God, this powerful God. The second reading or epistle text for this is out of Titus chapter 3, verses 4 to 7. This is where we then get our recognition of the goodness and loving kindness of our Savior. That we were not just cast out to the wolves, per se, but that we were given mercy. We were being able to be reborn through the Holy Spirit, through Christ coming in and giving us this new life, justified by the grace that we recognize that we have the hope of eternal life through what Jesus Christ has done for us. The gospel text then for that is Luke chapter 2, optionally verses 1 to 7, and then 8 through 20. So it's then picking up where the shepherds are initially is the required part of the text.
Finally, we get into the third different setting we can have is out of Isaiah chapter 52 verses 7 through 10 is your first reading. And it's this recognition of the announcement of Zion being your God reigns. This announcement of how we are rejoicing in the sight of what God has done. That God is been with his people and has redeemed his people. That the Lord has shown the strength of who God is to these people. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 98, all nine verses of it. And this is then this song of praise, this song of victory, of vindication, of how God has remembered the steadfast love and the faithfulness of Israel, making a joyful noise to the Lord, singing praise, the trumpets, the horns, we're pulling out all the stops, that all of this is singing praise to God in recognition of what God has done. God has not abandoned his people. God has done it and look at how God has done it. The epistle text or second reading this week is out of Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 to 4 and optionally 5 through 12. This is then the tie back in recognizing that as prophets have foretold this through generations that God has done this. We can see it. We can track it and that we have not been begotten. We have not been forgotten. We have a begotten son, the only son of God, who has come and been on our behalf, has been there for us, that we have the recognition that the angels came and worshipped him. We have all these recognition of what God has been able to do, this recognition of all the hard parts of life that were there have been separated and that from the beginning that God has been there and God has been able to help us through this. And yet times change, all these things change, but God doesn't change. We just continue to understand and a more deep understanding of who God actually is. The gospel text for this is out of John chapter one, the first 14 verses of it. This is one of the more beautiful quoted sections of scripture, I believe. You get this very poetic, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. This idea of how in the beginning, when God was creating, God in all parts of who God was, was there. And nothing came into being without it. And they created the light and man came and there was this person to help testify to the light named John, but he was not the light. He was there to help lay a path for us to be able to understand who this is and that we might become children of God to be able to understand who God fully is, to be embraced and hugged into that family, to be able to see the glory of God and recognize the glory of what God has done through his only son, full of grace and truth to be able to enlighten us and bring us into the fulfillment of what God has been promising. So before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do our shameless plugs full. Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I highly recommend it between the Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help give me some direction on how to bring all these different types of texts together, along with all the different ideas and commentaries that are over there. If you haven't checked that out, I'd highly recommend it. 
I'd also highly recommend checking out the revised common lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I really enjoy how they lay out the text each week along with the art, prayers, hymns, colors. There is so many different resources over here also to be able to check out to help mentally prepare you whether you're in the front of the pulpit or if you're sitting in the pews hearing the message coming to you. This is another great resource to check out. Finally, I'd also highly recommend checking out the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable and the Green Blades Rising Publications. This gives you a lot of reflections, ideas, and again, different written commentaries on thinking about these different texts from a more ecological lens. If you enjoy listening to me ramble and talk about this stuff for 30 minutes each week, you're going to enjoy signing up for these different newsletters and hearing about some of the different ways that people are looking and utilizing their impact within the world to be able to look and breathe life into these texts in our here and now. So I'd highly recommend checking out the Green Blades Rising Publications and the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable. I'd highly recommend checking out both of these resources. That'll be the first link down in the reference section. Okay, that is a lot. And unfortunately, we have another fairly heavy thing to get into to be able to understand this and bring life into this in a new way this year. Because I think some specific science news that has come out in the last two weeks, I think can really help us understand this in a much different way, especially this holiday Christmas season. So, we have the epitome, I, one of the high points within the church, right there with Easter, is Christmas. Christ coming to be with us. Christ being among us, being enfleshed as you and I are. To be able to be both fully divine and fully human at the same time. And in that, there is plenty of weird things that we will definitely kind of go through throughout the year of where you have both the fully divine and the fully human coming together. But we also then have this moment of recognition of this is a moment that things change. Within the Christian faith, this is a huge turning point of what we know as life. Being followers of the way dramatically changes with the birth of Jesus. And it will now, for the next 33 years of Jesus' life, drastically change the followers and what does it mean to follow God. Right now, this last two weeks, both in the UK and the US, we have passed the first cell-based gene therapy, which is using CRISPR-Cas9. Now, that might sound like a lot of mumbo-jumbo, but stay with me here. Right now, what the FDA here in the United States has approved is Cashjevi, and what that is doing is a treatment for sickle cell disease. Sickle cell disease, down and dirty, is the red blood cells within your blood, which carry the hemoglobin, which is the oxygen in your blood, typically are round. In sickle cell, they are deformed to look kind of like a sickle crescent moon shape. When that happens, it allows for them to potentially get stuck and create blockages and the blood doesn't flow as well, along with you don't have as much oxygen in the blood, which can cause a lot of pain. And typically, these people's life expectancy is much shorter due to this. 
So what we've been able to do with CRISPR, which stands for Clustered Regularly Interspace Short Paradolmic Repeats, or CRISPR, is that it is able to target the section within the genetic code, your genome, that creates the cells that create your hemoglobin, create your red blood cells, and be able to go in with Cas9, cut that section out and replace it, in this case, the gene therapy part, replace it with a new updated, more regular red blood cell and being able to then help the body naturally, quote unquote, be able to produce more regular and normal red blood cells. Now, this technology that we're replicating, CRISPR was actually found more in bacteria that it was doing it. And then we have been able to figure out how to take that and be able to do it in gene therapy and which in 2020, the two people who won the Nobel prize for chemistry was with CRISPR technology, being able to start digging deeper into this. And I'll attach again, a lot of links down below on this because there is multiple different ways that this can go. There is a lot of different potential how it could potentially impact our own world. One of the things like with this and how it's been slowed at moments, and this is where even AI comes into it, is as you're changing your genetic coding, is how are the proteins coming out of that and the different things going to look? Are they going to be able to be what we're expecting? And that's where with AI, over the last few months, we have been able to show the ability to take the data, the actual genome, and run it through AI, and it can predict very consistently what the proteins are going to look like. So thus being able to help give some certification to what are we going to have with all this. This still comes with drawbacks at this point, especially for sickle cell. You're still going through the chemotherapy. You're still doing your own blood draws and everything, but the potential of what it's actually doing, and it's still a very expensive technology at this moment, but the expected life expectancy goes up and the quality of life for these patients increases dramatically. I will also attach a story down below from CBS Mornings where it's showing one of the people who were in one of the trial groups, a young 12-year-old boy, and how his sickle cell is completely changed because of these trials and is part of why they're helping to get the approval for the FDA to be able to do this. Again, it's a very expensive technology still, but they're moving forward and it did just get the regulatory body stamp in both the UK and the US. Sickle cell also unfortunately targets more African-American and Asian-American demographics. So in this, there is whole questions of what this all does because yes, in a certain way, this could potentially allow for people to be playing God. And the beautiful thing is, is that in all of this right now, where the science is at, they are proceeding with a lot of caution. This has been something that they have been working on for over a decade and recognizing that there is a lot of potential upside to it, but we don't want to overreach it. And that's where right now, a lot of these trials, there are still this kind of asterisk that's being placed by it is, yes, the stuff initially is looking awesome. And yes, we're going to approve it now, but we don't know what the long-term ramifications are and we still are monitoring these. 
And so the whole idea of how we have now the ability to be able to go in and potentially, we're not to the point where we can say it as a scientist, potentially have found a solution. I'm not going to say the C word. That's four letters long. But potentially found a solution, at least for extended period of time, potentially, to sickle cell disease is huge. And the ramifications of what this could do long term is even bigger. It's hard for us to wrap our head around. And that's where, for me, I go back to the Advent text at the end of the Luke text of what we hear from the angel that for nothing will be impossible with God. These things that we're even talking about, we're we're having AI being able to potentially run genomes and give us potential of what different proteins look like, to being able to have a technology to go in and manipulate part of your genetic coding that potentially is hurting you. And yes, there is a lot of ethical questions and a lot of things that have to be rethought about because this is dramatically changing how we perceive life potentially. How we look at the medical field as we are now being able to edit parts of our own genetic code. But as we enter this last Sunday of Advent and the beginning of the Christmas season, is that not what Christ did? Is that not what Christ did? That Christ came in and everything that the people knew to that point was changed. And we have the blessing of looking back on the Gospels now and we can skim the 30 years plus of Jesus' life in an afternoon. When this baby comes, the promises and everything are awesome, but what is this going to mean? Again, they're expecting a military ruler. Is he going to become that? We don't know. All the hope and expectation, we don't know. All the potential of what CRISPR-Cas9 could be is exactly that. Potential, hope, maybe. When Jesus is born and all the promises that the angels are giving and all this stuff, Is it potential at this point? Yes, we don't know what this is all going to be. That's where there is to me with this, is it feels so similar. To have something that could be so groundbreaking in so many different ways, that could literally drastically change the medical field and how we look at life and how long life is forever, that we are at the very beginning of this and how we are able to have things that are able to move faster and faster than we ever have before is incredible to where we have this baby being born with all this promise and we have no idea what this means and the only thing that the people have at that moment is to literally continue to hope and wait and see and right now with CRISPR, Cas9, gene editing therapy, all of this stuff, we are in the very, very beginning of this. We don't know where this is going to take us. We can learn and grow and spend time and watch and wait and see. I am excited that sickle cell potentially here has a solution, has something that looks extremely promising to the point where we're having our regulatory bodies saying this is an improved method of treatment is incredible. That we are going to be monitoring for lifetime to see what happens. Is there long-term ramifications? We'll find out. But this could be the beginning of a whole new way that we look at the medical world. The whole new way of we look at life. And is that not what Jesus coming into the world, coming to Mary, to a teenager, the completely unexpected, was all about? 
It's so easy for us to fast forward to Christmas. It's so easy because we've heard the stories so many times. And that's where I feel like this stuff with CRISPR is so relatable because we are at the exact same spot and we don't know what's going to happen. And there's the hope and the excitement, but the fear of the unknown as well. Do you not think when the shepherds, after going and being with this child, at some point got back to the field and, okay, so how is this baby that we saw going to change things? Long term, like, this is cool, but how long are we going to have to wait? And what is this baby going to do? Is it like a super baby? Or what is this? And I think that's all valid. It's the same stuff we're dealing with, the ethics with CRISPR, we're looking at how do we tackle this stuff, how do we see what the long-term ramifications are, all of that. It's the exact same. So the question I have for you is, how do we hang on to hope while we're waiting for an extended period of time? How do we hope as we wait for an extended period of time? Because the other thing that we have to remember with this reminding us of the traditional Christmas story, is it's not the end. This is also a reminder for us to be prepared for when Christ does come again. And we don't know when that's going to be, and we don't know how it's going to come, but we have to be prepared, and we have to hope. And I think this tension is something that we see in the sciences, and there's times where the hope exceeds whatever the actual thing ever becomes. It just doesn't pan out the way we expect. And there's sometimes that our expectations get blown of the water by something that we were hoping at one level, and yet it goes far beyond what we ever imagined it to be. And that's so similar to what Jesus was for us. And as Jesus returns, we have no idea, but I just know it's a God who exceeds our expectations. And as we are waiting in this moment of what CRISPR will be for us, there's a beauty. There is a beauty to that that helps us get a taste of what that first Christmas was really like as this baby sitting there is being told that it's going to change everything. Just give it some time. As now we are on the doorstep of gene therapy that has promises of drastically changing everything. We just have to wait and see and keep having scientists put in the work and time to see what this all can become. So are you ready? Because I think whether we're ready or not, it's the world we're walking into. It's very similar to how Jesus walked into the world we were at at that moment. And as we wait with anticipation for the time of when Jesus returns and changes everything yet again. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science. Merry Christmas, everyone. I really hope and pray. It's a very Merry Christmas for you.